So every week I'm going to find a, and I've been doing this, although I haven't really called it a reaction video of the week. I'm going to find a financial YouTube video that we can react to. And I promise that it won't always be Dave Ramsey, but today it's Dave Ramsey. So let's check it out. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. What's up? I just am curious about your own personal story. When you went through bankruptcy, it seems like, if I understand correctly, you became a millionaire pretty quickly after that. Or if I'm incorrect, maybe I'm incorrect on that. But I just am wondering, how how did you do that? It just, it seems so slow to pay off our mortgage. And so I'm a little bit discouraged. Like, I see all these young kids on YouTube, you know, doing all of these, I don't know, investment type things where they're built, like buying duplexes, living in half of it. You know, I forget what that's called, but Stupid. I'm just curious. It just seems so slow. Okay. <laughs> It's called house hacking. And no, it's not stupid. House hacking is probably one of the most important things that you can teach young people to do today. I think the impact of house hacking is greater than anything else that you can do when you're first starting out. And that includes college because you can get yourself in a position where you never have to worry about housing again for the rest of your life. And by not worrying about housing, you can focus on things that you really want to be doing, um, which creates new opportunities, new abilities to improve yourself. Uh, but she's right. It is slow and it probably feels extremely slow to her, but that's how it should be. Personal finance is not a get rich quick scheme. Nobody, even for uh, you know house hackers, you're not going to get rich quick. You can figure out a way to handle your cost of living or your cost of housing for a long period of time, but it's not a get rich quick scheme. It takes a lot of time to develop that equity. It takes a lot of time to build that net, uh, that net worth. And there's, there's a patience element to it. And I know that that's not fun. That's not what everybody's looking for, but that's the truth of it. What we're trying to accomplish is a good return on our money over a long period of time, a good consistent return. And what we've noticed is that a good return on a passive investment is about 8 to 10% a great return is between 10 and 12%. And that's always going to be the case. And if you put $1,000 into something and it returns 10%, that's $1,100 the next year. It takes time for that compounding to really get going. And it's the later years where we see huge increases in that compounding. So being patient and understanding that this is a slow process is very important to building good, solid, long-term financial independence. Uh, we filed bankruptcy in 1988 it was probably about 98 or even the year 2000, somewhere in there before we hit a million dollar net worth. I guess I've never gone back and looked at it, but it's somewhere like that. It was not, wasn't that fast. Uh, what do you make? What's your household income? About 105,000. Okay. And, uh, how has that increased over the last 10 years? Quite a, quite a bit. I mean, okay. my husband, I think he started around 65 maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so wow. you you have just your home left to pay off? Yeah, it's it's probably worth market value right around seven hundred, and we owe about ninety nine on it. But we we don't have any intention of selling it. So so this is where Dave and I probably disagree the most when it comes to how to calculate this stuff. And what she's feeling is kind of valid. So she has like six hundred thousand dollars in her home as equity, which is outstanding. Most people don't have that. And $600,000 is nothing to shake a stick at, but she's making the point to say, I'm not selling it, which means that once they pay that loan off, they have like a hundred thousand dollars left on a loan, which is pretty low. I mean, that's awesome. They almost own their home outright. Um, 
but it doesn't actually do anything for them in retirement other than not having a house payment. And we've talked about this before. If you own a $100,000 house and you don't have a house payment and you own a $10 million house and you don't have a house payment, effectively, it does not matter the value of the homes because you still just don't have a house payment on either one. Unless you're willing to actually take out debt or move at some point, you can't use that equity. So she's probably thinking in her head, like, I can't use the equity of this home. Um, I mean, we're going to pay it off at some point, which is cool. But then like, then what else? Like, how do we actually live off of our retirement? You know, I can't use the equity in this house. So I feel for her. Um, she should be watching us because we'll tell her how to do that. But, you know, Dave's not going to tell them. And so like, I, I do struggle with that. You know, you could have $0 in a retirement account and you could own your home how, outright. And if you have no intention of selling it or taking out debt against it, like you still got to work. Like you still got to put food on your table. You haven't solved your financial peace problem. Surely you've been saving for uh, retirement through that time, right? Yeah, we, we do the 15% in a 401k and Roth IRAs. Yeah, and how much is in there? I don't know. I haven't checked that for a while. Oh, roughly. Maybe 200, 150, 200. So maybe you're a millionaire and you just made 100 grand max? Well, I don't know about, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I mean, if, you're, if, you, did, if you have $250,000 in your 401ks and you have a $750,000 equity in your house, that's a million dollars. Um, I mean, the math isn't really adding up to that. <laughs> so she has 600K in her home equity and she has maybe $200,000. So maybe she's worth 800 grand. But again, this just highlights my point. She has about 200K worth of retirement and she's thinking, how do I spread that over a 30 year retirement? It just doesn't look right. And I understand because, you know, Dave's method doesn't really give a measuring point for success on any of this stuff. All he tells you to do is just invest. There's really no metric to tell you if you're on the right path. And the metric is your net worth excluding your house. You take that number and you figure out what 4% of that and you could safely estimate about that would be your annual income. And that's called the 4% rule or the Trinity study if you wanted to look it up. So if she's taking 200 and we could do the math on this real quick. If she's taking $200,000 and she's multiplying or she's, she's taking 4% of that, that comes out to about $8,000 a year. The math doesn't work out too great, and I could see why she'd be panicking. Um, what she needs someone to do is sit her down and be like, this is, you know, where do you want to be at? And then we need to work backwards to figure out a plan to get you there. But it doesn't sound like uh, anybody's doing that for her. What do you want on okay. the other side of this? What's on the other side of paying the house off? Let's assume you've done that. What do you, what do you want? You know, I really don't know. I've kind of asked myself that question as well. I just, I think, I think I come from a long line of, on both sides of my family, elderly grandparents and great grandparents dying without, with nothing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'd like to have a better quality of life when I'm older, I guess. You're already um, on your way in a spectacular fashion. You're not dying with nothing. So if you haven't seen it yet, there's a Netflix, um, show called how to be rich or how to get rich. Uh, and we highlighted it on our channel at one point. Um, and we really like it. One of the things that the host of the show does is he does something where he has the person sit down and declare what their rich life looks like. And he doesn't mean like, you know, a million, $10 million house or driving around a Lamborghini. What he means is like, can you put the non-tangibles down that you're thinking money will solve for you if you had enough of it? And it's things like, I don't want to have to worry about money. Um, I want to be able to travel when I'm older. 
Um, I want to be able to take care of my grandkids. And and she's kind of saying the same thing here. Like she wants to, she doesn't really, she hasn't sat down and figured that out yet. But, you know, she's kind of getting an idea. Like maybe I want, you know, to be safe in retirement or to not run out of money in retirement. But she should sit down and think about that. What's your actual goals? And then how do you start working to get there? How old are you and your yeah, husband? I'm 44. He's 46. Yeah, what does he do for a living? He's an electrician. Yeah, he's already increased his income. Does he work for himself now? No. No, he works for a utility company. Yeah, but he's still a young man. And, you know, he, a natural progression for him to be to, to start his own company and become a millionaire just in that business alone, plus what Dave's already laid out for you guys. I just think this is so fear-based that you yeah. haven't been able to look at your own life and your own reality and see how good you're doing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do think they're doing well. I think they could be doing better. And I don't think they have any idea how well they're actually doing, but they are doing well. Um, and, uh, Ken, I think that's his name. Ken's right. Most people in their mid to late forties is when they start to do their own business and become successful doing their own thing. And real success starts to take off at that age. I know we see a lot of stuff where like young people are doing stuff online. Um, a lot of that is manufactured. It's not true. Um, even the whole Silicon Valley wave of, uh, you know, young entrepreneurs, it turns out the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones with experience. And it, you know, it looks like they're in that stage now where they're making good money. I don't remember where they said they were from, but assuming it's not California, $100,000 a year is a lot of money. And they have great potential to gain more money as time goes on. And the trick is going to be how to not inflate your lifestyle as more money comes in, but instead turn around and invest that for the future. One third of the people that we'd studied that became millionaires did so on six-figure income or less. And that's you. Wow. That's you. Wow. Okay. So far, mm-hmm. I mean, you just now got over 100, right? Right. Just, just in the last year. Yeah. And so you did everything to this point that you've done on less than $100,000 a year. That's awesome. And that's super true. Like becoming a millionaire really has nothing to do with making a bunch of money. In fact, a lot of people who make a bunch of money are living paycheck to paycheck. I think the number is something like one third to a half of people making over a hundred grand a year are living paycheck to paycheck, which is crazy. And so like just the amount of money that you can invest and then compound that over time is going to be a significant impact to your wealth. So if they're putting in 15%, Maybe they could get to 20, 25%. And if that's compounding annually at a rate of like 8 to 10%, you know, in the S&P 500, that's pretty average over the course of the lifetime of the S&P 500, they would be millionaires easily. Let's say that uh, your net worth grows at an average of 10% a year because you're invested in good mutual funds and real estate does well in the Seattle market, which it traditionally has done for the last 30 years, Okay. Now, mm-hmm. Seattle could screw it up and, you know, cause it to fall in on itself like some of these other cities have done. But let's just assume that Seattle continues to be a boom town. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if that happens, your million dollars is going to double every seven years. So you're 44 at 51. It's going to be 2 million at 58. It's going to be 4 million at 65. It's going to be 8 million. And that's if you add nothing to it. So this is just Dave highlighting the compounding argument that we were just talking about. At a 10% interest rate, your money doubles every seven to eight years, I believe. I think that's what he's saying here. Um, I don't think that's entirely true with real estate. 
you know, I, I know Seattle's been good. I don't think it's been returning 10% annually on average. I think it's probably closer to like four to 6%. Um, and then that doesn't really solve her problem of what to do with her house, right? She could be taking equity out of the house and investing that into something like a taxable brokerage account. We, you know, we argue for that here. I would do that. Um, and then her home would still appreciate her home would still grow at four to 6% per year. But now the money that was stuck in there, the, the equity, the wealth that was stuck in there is now also growing in the S&P 500 at 10% a year on average. You get much higher growth by doing that than what Dave's arguing for here, but he's not wrong. It's just, I, I don't see how like, you know, having $8 million in a house is going to help them if they're not going to sell it. My point is not, is that, you know, it's going to double it. If it doesn't double every seven years, it's going to double every eight years, you know? Whatever it is, it's still going to be pretty close. And that's without adding anything to it. And you're going to continue to add to it. So, you're, you know, you your chances of becoming your relative that died broke is close to zero. I mean, you're doing so good. Way to go, Allison. Go get you a mirror and pat yourself on the back. So that's the end of the video. So um, my one comment here is that um, if you're not going to do anything with your home, that's tough to count as part of your retirement net worth. And we've argued that before. The second thing I'd point out is that the, the first step in our baby steps, our version of baby steps, is to calculate your net worth and to track that over time. So she's worried that she doesn't have enough for retirement, but she doesn't actually know how much is in her accounts. She doesn't know what her net worth is. She doesn't know how to calculate how effective that net worth is going to be in retirement. And without that, what, like she has nothing to go on. She's just worrying without any data to support her worrying or her not worrying. And then that makes it impossible to have a plan. She knows she's investing, but she has no plan on where she's going, how long it will take her to get there. And without that, it becomes a real painful struggle to move forward. So our first baby step, I'm going to drive this home, is to figure out what your net worth is and to track that. And what you're doing, every baby step after that, what you're doing is trying to figure out a way to maximize that net worth number over time. And that's probably where I, I differ pretty significantly from Dave here. 